Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. I've asked our our kids pastor, Marla Stroop, and I've asked our our youth pastor, Paul Musso, to help me. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Paul, Paul's got a little... He's got a little Heisman following over here. And, uh, and I thought, how many of you know that as you step back into the school year, you start to think about sports a little bit and football is in the air. Anybody excited about a little football? Hey, how, how's our Tigers going to do this year? Didn't sound too hopeful. How about our Jaguars? Come on, anybody with the Jags? How about the Saints? How many know the Bible says pray for the Saints? Yes. The scripture says. And, uh, you know, using that analogy, using the picture of, of football, because it is such a team sport, you know, the, the, the priority of the football team is to protect the ball, is to advance the ball. And the team works together. The coach will draw up the play, but the quarterback's got to call it. The team's got to execute it, and they've got to hold on to the ball. How many of you know that we can't fumble the ball? We can't forfeit possession. And when we think about what God's doing with our sons and with our daughters, there's something called the football of faith. You know, and faith has come to us. And you're, you're here today because of the sacrifices of your parents or maybe a pastor or a teacher or a coach or a mentor. You received the gospel of faith. It's been entrusted to you. But now we have a responsibility to hand that off to those that are coming behind us to make sure that we don't fumble, that we don't lose possession, but we protect the ball and we advance. We move the kingdom forward. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Come on, I see a guy here in an Alabama shirt. Oh my goodness. Lord, Lord. <laughs> Bro, I just called you out in front of 3,000 people, man. Man, you in Baton Rouge, boy. This ain't Tuscaloosa. Let's see if he can catch. All right, stand up. Here we go. Let's see what he's got. See what you got. Ready? Here we go. Ready? All right, I want you to run a, run a little go route, okay? <laughs> Blue 42 down, said hut. Okay, they can catch the ball. They can catch the ball. All right, all right. Let's, all right, now, I'm going to call Pastor Paul Musso up here. He's our student ministry pastor, and I'm so thankful for his love and leadership for our sons and our daughters. Paul, come up here on the count of three. Ready? 383, 383, get set, get set, get set. 383, Omaha, Omaha. You saw what I did there? Three, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tom Brady. Deflate Tom Brady game. Football. Tom Brady's in the house. Down, said, hook. There we go, move, 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 move. All right. Here. Come on, clap your hands for Pastor Mike. How's everybody doing this morning? Excited to be in church? All right, that was about a two out of ten. Are you excited to be in church? Come on. Well, we're going to dive right into Daniel chapter three. Before we do that, I need to give you a little backstory. Uh, There is a king named King Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't that just a beautiful name? I'm going to name my next child that boy or girl. You're getting that name, Nebuchadnezzar. 
But uh, there's a king named King Nebuchadnezzar, and he is starting what the Bible calls the king's royal service. And as he does this, he's looking for men that are tall and strong and, and smart and handsome, a lot like Pastor Mike, I must say. Um, but he's starting this royal service, and Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get selected to be in this royal service. And through this series of events, um, they get honored and recognized and notified. And then there comes a point where we pick up in Daniel chapter 3, where the king begins to have some dreams that are a little crazy. And he calls in these astrologers that are supposed to be smart uh, by the world's terms and supposed to know everything. And he calls the astrologers in and he says, I need you to tell me two things. One, I want you to tell me what the king, what I dreamed. And then also, two, I want you to tell me what my dream means. And the astrologers say, well, king, how can we tell you what your dream means if we don't even know what you've dreamed? And so King Nebuchadnezzar gets a little angry, a little quick. And he says, all right, y'all are just stalling for time. That's it. I'm going to start ripping every wise man from limb to limb and, and tear them up. And so they approach Daniel and his three boys and like, hey, King's mad. It's time to rip off your big toe. And he's like, whoa, before we start popping toes here, uh, what, what is the king mad about? And he's like, well, he had a dream and nobody can interpret it. And so Daniel and his friends go before God and they begin to pray and say, God, would you please tell us what the king dreamed and what it means? Because kind of our life depends on it here. And so God reveals to them what the dream was and what it means. And then he throws, after, after Daniel tells the king, the king throws himself at the feet of Daniel. How many know a word from God will make somebody who may seem taller than you begin to bow down? And so he throws himself at the feet of Daniel and the Bible says he worships him. He respected him. He was highly impressed. Well, then we pick up. In Daniel 3, and the king has called this celebration. He has built a gold statue. I imagine it looked a lot like Chick-fil-A, maybe a little different, but it was a beautiful gold statue. And it was 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide, the Bible tells us, and completely gold. And he's called all the townspeople, but not just the townspeople. He's called the VIPs, like the, the town officials and the high priest and, and all the government officials and these astrologers and treasurers. And he gets everybody there, and he says, all right, to celebrate this gold statue that I have built... When you hear the horn play, when you hear music play, everybody bows down and worships the gold statue. In other words, when the beat drops, hit the floor. He tells them that. And so what happens is, we, most of us know this story, the, the music plays and thousands of people begin to bow down and worship this gold statue except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they stand strong. And the astrologers... Notice that they're not bowing down and they go tell the king in Daniel chapter 3 verse 12 it says, But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Come on, everybody say, what do you see? Come on, say like you mean it. Say, what do you see? Every time you see something, you have the opportunity to make a mental decision. Do I agree with what I've seen or do I disagree with what I've seen? And then once you make that decision, you now go from a mental decision to a physical decision. Am I going to stand for what I've seen or am I going to bow down for what I have seen? And here we are in Daniel chapter 3. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to make a decision. It's like this. It's my son and I, he's a year and a half, and we'll be playing in the living room, and my wife's in school, and she has one more semester, is going to be a nurse practitioner, we'll finish school in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. So she's almost done. Now, he and I will be playing in the living room, and Eli will be throwing Legos and everything, and, 
I'll notice that he'll bless us with a little aroma in his diaper. Many of you parents have been blessed with this burden. And I'll see that his diaper is hanging to his knees and I'll just refuse what I've seen. And he'll, he'll go into the kitchen where my wife's sitting at the table studying and he'll go up to her, my mind, babe, did you see the diaper? Nope, I will not bow down to that diaper, babe. I refuse to smell that, I will not change it. And then she gives me the eyes and I change it. But you know, every time you see something, you make a mental decision and then you're proposed with the question, what are you going to do about it? Do you know that 80% of the memories that you have are based off of what you've seen? And 80% of what you learn is based off of what you've seen and that your eyes have over 2 million working parts. It's absolutely incredible. So I ask you today, some of the adults and the parents and, and the teachers in the room, when you're at your workplace, what do you see? Because I think a lot of times as Christians, we've got to quit acting like we don't see things just because they disturb us. But we've got to allow that disturb us maybe to be somebody else's deliverance and say, you know what I see is an opportunity for God to move in somebody's life. Or maybe you're a student on a school campus and the truth is, I remember high school. That's some of the hardest years. And they say it's the best years of your life. I promise you, there are far better years ahead. Marriage is awesome, you know? There's better years ahead. It's not the best years of your life, but it can be some of the most years that God uses to build you in your life. What do you see on your school campus? Do you see that you're there for more than a diploma, but you're there to make a difference? That at the end of your senior year, students, that you don't just have to receive a, a piece of paper, but you can realize that God just has a, a piece of purpose for you on that school campus. Do you see teachers who are there for a paycheck or are they there to realize they have purpose and that purpose is you to bring out the best in you? What do you see? Here is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they see a gold statue and they refuse to bow down. And I believe they may have had to ask themselves this question, what do we see, the fire or do we see the father? Because they knew if they did bow down, things wouldn't be so bad. But you gotta understand, once we say yes to Jesus, we may have a little bit of difficulty. It doesn't mean he's not with us, it just means we're gonna be different. What do you see, the fire or the father? Because one is temporary and one is eternal. One is trying to break you down and one is trying to build you up. One is trying to bring out your fears and the other is trying to bring out your faith. The fire may try to destroy you, but the father truly just wants to define you. What do you see, the fire or the father? One is natural and one is supernatural. And before you can ever stand in public for God, you first have to bow down in private. Because what I've learned through my short 26 years is standing for God, standing for him is not for the strong, it's for the surrendered. It's the ones who've spent time with God in private and realized that the calling that's on them is greater than them so that all they can do is rely on him. What do you see, the fire or the father? You know, I'll never forget my, my junior year of high school and I was in English three with Miss Knott. I love Miss Knott. She let me eat peanut M&Ms in her class. And we were sitting in class and our desks were two by two. And I sat next to this girl every day. We had assigned seats and her name was Ashlyn. And we sat next to each other and we'd come in on Monday and share our story, our weekend with each other. And I'd say, Ashlyn, what'd you do this weekend? And our stories were very different. And she'd say, well, I went to this party or I went out with that guy or I went and drank this. And I'm like, okay, okay. And she's like, aren't you a Christian? I'm like, yeah. She's like, that doesn't scare you? I was like, no. And she's like, okay. And she's like, what'd you do? I said, well, it's a little different. Went on a homeless outreach with a great guy named Mark McLaughlin. And 
had a serve day. We had church on Sunday and we would share our stories every single Monday and accepted each other for who we were. And one day she came in, it was like she was upset with me. And uh, she said, I just don't get it, Paul. I said, what don't you get? She said, you come in. Now we're all tired because we're high school students. (laughs) But you come in and you're full of life. And you bring joy into this classroom. And it doesn't look like you have many friends, but you seem happier than most people. What is it? I said, well, Ashley, we just see life differently. We just see things differently. I said, can I see your notebook? And she said, yes. So I grabbed her notebook and I drew uh, one line and then two, a second line symbolizing a road. And I said, Ashley, the thing is, is I know that the Jesus that I love, the God that I tried my best to live for, he says, I've got to live down a narrow path. And so I said, can I see your pencil? She said, yeah. So on the left side, I wrote things that she had said, not what I had said. So I wrote down so-and-so's party. I wrote down drinking. I wrote down her boyfriend's name, got serious. Wrote down some other things. I said, Ashlyn, I'm trying to stay on this narrow path, but if I keep going to all these different things, I'm gonna be wore out. Do you wonder why you're wore out? And she starts crying. She starts crying. The teacher looks at me, I don't do really well with tears. She looks at me and the teacher's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, she's like, what? I was like, it's God's fault. Just blame it on him. And I can't say that I actually accepted Christ that day, but I can say that I stood for him. And I don't say that because of me. It has to be because of him. Because you spend time with God in private and you bow down to him in private and you have no trouble standing for him in public. And it's not a pride thing. It's a passion thing. It's a perseverance. It's persistence because you love Jesus. Amen. But once you see something and you've gone from a mental decision to a physical decision and you do something about it, then then you have to say something. And I wanna invite up our awesome kids pastor, Pastor Marla Stroop, clap your hands, show your love. I gotta run. Don't y'all love Paul? Isn't he amazing? Gotta work on my spin move a little more so I can do it better in heels, amen? You know, as Paul said, I want to take an opportunity to talk to you about what you say. You know, in our story, we heard that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they saw the danger. Now let's find out what they said. If you're looking in your Bibles, we're going to look at Daniel 3, starting in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Amen. You know, the the first thing I notice when I read this passage is it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied. So it makes me wonder, did they all say that all together? That's a long speech. You know, did they rehearse it? Maybe Shadrach was the one, y'all, I'm going to count to three when I get to three. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Okay, so maybe it didn't happen like that, but I will say this. They were on the same page. They were in it together. They were united as a church family. And they said, hey, this is what we're going to say. And the truth is, it's hard to say the right thing sometimes when you're alone. 
it's better when you have people around you that can say the right things with you. The second thing I notice is that just like for everyone here today, it might be starting school, you might be approaching a problem at your workplace or in your family, whatever it may be, these boys, they had a choice. They could either, either say what the king said and blend in, or they could say what Christ says and stand out. They could be different. So here's what, what I want to tell you and what I, we need to all hear, and that is as we get ready to start this new school year, we have the same choice. So what do we say? Do we say what culture says and blend in, or do we say what Christ says and stand out? I want to give you three examples in the word of God for some of these differences. So the first example is this. Culture says to worry. Christ says to pray. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says this. Don't worry about anything. Everybody say anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, the typical thing to do is worry. You know, I'm a mom of three kids. And when I think about my oldest is five, she's about to start kindergarten. I can have those worries that creep in. You know, will she make the right friends? What's it going to be like for her at school? You know, is she going to be successful? Whatever it might be. But God gives us an alternative to worry. He says to pray. It's simple. It's one of the most simple scriptures in the Bible. Hey, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then he provides us with a promise. And he says, if you'll pray, I'll give you peace. That's a great promise to have. So the next time you find yourself worrying, no matter where you are, you just you know, I don't know how the money's going to come in, or I don't know what my kids, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Just start praying. Amen. Amen. So that's one thing we hear about in scripture. The second thing is this culture says, promote yourself, but Christ says to promote him. First Corinthians one says this. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord boast only about the Lord. You know, my almost two-year-old, he's the baby of the family. He thinks he can move very heavy objects. Okay. So we have some dining room table or some chairs that are really heavy. They're made of metal. And the other day he wanted to move them like from here to maybe two inches over. And he gives it all his might and he's tugging and pulling and grunting. And what he doesn't see is his mama comes along and grabs the top of the chair and moves it for him. Now he says at the end of that, I did it. (laughs) You know, and that's a lot like me. That's a lot like a lot of us. God's hand is in things and he's moving things. And sometimes, yes, amen. And sometimes we take the credit when he's saying, I've got you all along. I put things into place before you were even born. And I put you where you need to be. So next time we have an opportunity to promote ourselves, what a great opportunity to say, praise God, the glory belongs to him. Amen. The third thing we can see in scripture is that this, culture says argue. When we're faced with difficulty, argue. But Christ says to speak peacefully. 
Matthew 12, 18 through 19 says, look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. Now, this is talking about Jesus. He was the perfect example of peace. He didn't have to fight. He didn't have to argue. Now me, I'm, I'm, I'm not Jesus. So let me, let me just say this, a little confession time. My husband knows this. There's not many people. I have to know you love me a whole lot. But if you do, then I like to argue. Um, okay, so maybe let's say another word. I like to passionately pursue changing your opinion to where it fits mine. Anybody else out here like that? Yes. Okay. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't like that. You see, this is what it said in those scriptures. It says, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. You know, as believers, sometimes when we face opposition, we think we got to fight. We got to argue. We got to yell. We got to get intense. But Charles Spurgeon says it like this, and I love this. He says, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. Amen. Amen. Hey, so we choose our words. We decide what we're going to say, whether it's culture and blending in or whether we say what Christ says. Now, I want to go back to the, the story. And you have to know when we get to verse 16 through 18, this is a second chance given to these boys by King Nebuchadnezzar. He gives them another chance. And when they refuse to bow down and they say what they said, the king gets angry. In fact, he orders that the fire is turned seven times hotter. Now, I don't know how you do that in those days. If there was a dial, don't, don't know if you maybe throw on some, some more flames. Whatever happened, it got hotter. Somebody say hotter. hotter. He orders them to be thrown into the fire. He looks in the fire. He doesn't just see three boys. He sees four. He sees four walking in the fire unharmed. And he even describes the fourth as looking like a son of the gods. So he orders them to be brought out. He looks them over. They are unharmed. Nothing on them is burned. And he can't believe it. Now, this is, this is the truth in our lives. You see, sometimes what we say creates the perfect atmosphere for God to show up, it's just disguised as a little more heat. You know, in our lives, we face these difficult moments, but God says, you know what? That's the perfect place for me to show up and show off in your life. Yes. Now, after this, there's more heat. There's an addition of God's presence and complete deliverance for these boys. And let me show you what happens. The king is so amazed and in verse 28 through 29, we figure out what King Nebuchadnezzar now says. Let's look. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defiled the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, 
speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb to limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble, because there is no God who can rescue like this. Yes. You know, what these three boys said changed what a king said, and then ultimately changed what a nation would say. And we have that same opportunity when we approach the workplace, when we go back to school, whatever it might be, as parents in your home, setting the culture that says, I'm going to choose to say what God says so that when my kids go to school and they're faced with opposition, what comes out of their mouth will be what is planted in their hearts. Do you know, I have a five-year-old and she's starting school in August. And you know, it makes it real to me. I need to make sure as a parent that I am sowing in the word of God. So she knows what Christ says. So what do you say? Do you say what culture says and you blend in in whatever situation it might be? Or do you choose to say the words of Christ? Come on, do you receive that today? God is good. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.